everyone, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. You are listening to episode 44, and I am your host, Mackenzie. And today I am interviewing my new friend, Alia, otherwise known as Alia Yoga over on Instagram. She and I met online, and when I found out that she was a fellow podcaster who cared about health, wellness, yoga, and the ocean, I just knew that we had to connect. I was actually on Alia's podcast called What's Wellness not too long ago, and on there we talked about non-toxic living, a topic that I'm really passionate about, as most of you know, and so I will link that in the show notes in case you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but it was really fun, so I would love it if you'd go check that out. But for this episode, I was on the other side of the mic, and I interviewed Alia all about yoga. That's what we're talking about in part one, at least. Part two will look a little bit different. We actually switched gears and started talking about her career as a professional athlete and how that led to her passion for the ocean and ocean conservation. But for today, we're focusing on her current role as a yoga instructor and yoga teacher trainer. Alia currently teaches yoga and spin in Southern California, where she lives, and she's had a really long journey with her own personal health and wellness that eventually led her to start practicing yoga and then to start teaching it. So it's something she cares about deeply and obviously has a really deep knowledge for. And so on this show, we're really talking about yoga for beginners. We're dispelling some common myths about yoga, such as do you have to be flexible to do yoga? Is yoga a religious practice? Do you have to learn a new language to participate in yoga? And of course, is yoga for everyone? So we're answering some of those big questions today. And so if you're a yoga beginner or if you've never tried yoga before, this conversation is absolutely for you. Now, if you're a very experienced yogi, you will still enjoy this conversation, I promise. But nonetheless, this is going to help you to build your confidence with yoga and inform you on why it's important to try not just once, but at least a few times. There are so, so, so many benefits to yoga that Alia will explain today, and they aren't just physical benefits. But before I give any more away, I want to ask you before we start to leave a review. You've probably heard me talk about this if you've listened to the show before, but leaving a review really helps other people to find the show. That's when Apple Podcasts know that they should recommend a show is if it gets good reviews. So it helps other people to find the show, but it also helps many other people because I'm currently donating money for reviews that I receive. So I'm donating money to two really cool organizations called Young Life and Water Mission. You can look those up if you want to know more about them. But ultimately, you can just know that you are doing some good in the world when you take the few minutes that it takes to leave a review. I want to take a second to give a shout out to someone who did leave a review. This review is from S. Fagan, and they said, Mackenzie has so many great tips and makes an environmentally friendly lifestyle super doable to all. Thank you so much for that kind review. Obviously, like I just explained, leaving a review does a lot of good, but it also means a lot to me to hear your kind words. It's really encouraging and helps me to want to keep going with this show. So again, would you please be willing to sacrifice just a couple minutes to leave a review over on the Apple Podcasts app or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on? It really, really would mean a lot to me. There are a few other things you can do, like subscribing to the show so that you know whenever a new episode is downloaded. And then also, would you tell a friend about the show, either on social media or just by word of mouth? Word of mouth is so important when it comes to podcasts and all kinds of media. You can probably relate, but most of the shows that I listen to and follow along with have been recommended to me by friends that I trust. So if you would be willing to share about it with a friend, that would mean a lot to me too. Okay, I'm done asking you for favors, I promise, and let's get to the good stuff. So here is my interview with Alia. 
All right. Hey, Aaliyah, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, so excited to talk with you today. Can you just start with introducing yourself for everybody? Absolutely. So my name is Alia, and I was born in Michigan. I live now in California, a beautiful coastal town called Cardiff-by-the-Sea. And here I teach yoga, and I also teach spin. I wrote a yoga teacher training curriculum, a 200-hour program back in 2015. So Mm -hmm. a couple times a year, I run teacher training programs either locally or abroad. I travel a lot to Bali, Indonesia, and love to bring people there. And Mm -hmm. I was a professional tandem surfer for a number of years. I was ranked fifth in the world back in 2016. So there are a couple different aspects of my life that some Mm -hmm. people find interesting from the yoga and spin, the fitness aspect and meditation, and then being a professional athlete, how that contributed to who I am and, and my outlook on life and especially ocean conservation. And then also this type of wellness journey that I'm on. I've had Mm -hmm. some interesting illnesses and um, setbacks with my health and also injuries. So yeah, I have uh, a lot to talk about and share. I'm really excited to be on your show today. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah, You you have quite the interesting bio, I would say. You do a lot of really cool stuff. And I honestly had never heard of tandem surfing until you told me about it. And I saw some pictures of what you used to do. So I'm really excited to talk more about that. That'll be more in the second half of our conversation. And first, we're going to focus more on yoga and that part of your life. And so, and also I have to say Cardiff by the Sea, just from your pictures, looks so pretty. I really want to go there. Is it in Southern California? Yes, and it's dreamy. I've been a lot of places around the world and Cardiff is one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been to. I feel very fortunate to call it home. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it's definitely on my list of places to visit now. So awesome. Okay, so um, with yoga, how long have you been just practicing yoga on your own? And did that come first before your surfing career or after? Yes, it came first. So I started practicing yoga When I was in high school in 2001, I had a lot of anxiety and Mm -hmm. was a very type A person. I did all the AP classes in high school. So um, I had a 4.5 GPA and was really committed to scholastic endeavors. But I had a lot of trouble being able to control my mind. It would just, I had a million conversations going on in my head at once and often felt like it was out of control and would Mm -hmm. worry a lot about grades and tests and studying. And so I started doing yoga at the local LA Fitness in 2001. I was a freshman in high school, so my mom still had to drive me to and from the gym, and I would go once a week, Monday nights, and it was the one night a week that I would get a good night's sleep. I Mm -hmm. suffered from insomnia for a long time, Mm. and then that was way before my professional career as a tandem surfer. That 
part of my life only lasted a couple of years from 
a manager or assistant manager, you would need to go through yoga teacher training. Is that something you're interested in? And it had been something I was interested in all along. I just didn't think I had the time or the money to do it. Mm -hmm. And so with that opportunity, knowing that I could continue to grow within that company, I went for it. I paid and um, registered for teacher training. And it was one of the best choices I ever made, an investment in myself. I was very shy and very quiet. And going through teacher training was incredibly difficult for me trying to find my voice and also this uh, more authoritative energy that is needed for holding space in a yoga class Mm -hmm. without being dominating or in any way aggressive. And so I found this real beautiful balance in the qualities of my softness being a very small person. I'm five feet tall and People often mistake me for a lot younger than I am. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But also the confidence to show up and to share my heart and to share a message. And I've always been clear that I've been put on this planet to be of service and to make a positive impact in other people's lives. And I felt that teaching yoga was a really great avenue for that. And I graduated yoga teacher training in 2011 and pretty much made that my career. I managed Core Power Studios from Minnesota to California and worked for that company for many years and then decided to branch out on my own. That's so cool. I think you're what you said about like finding that balance as an instructor is very true because I know people who have tried yoga and they're like, eh, I just didn't like it. Like I and, and when they tell me why, it seems like it's more because of, like, kind of how the teacher taught it almost because I'm like, oh, that sounds nothing like the yoga class that I go to. And I love my yoga studio. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's good that you're so conscious of that and, like, creating a safe space for people because it's something I hate to hear that someone, like, tried yoga and didn't like it just because of where they went, you know. So that's that's really cool. You sound like a great person to take a class from. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah. On that note, I think a lot of people that I know, and I'm, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call myself like a yogi expert or anything. I do yoga usually once a week. I go to a studio here and I still call myself a beginner, but it's just something that I see value in for my physical health, especially, and my mental health too. I think Like you said, I don't have anxiety or anything, but, you know, you just feel so peaceful leaving those classes, and it's just something I value for my own health and uh, improving my flexibility. I feel like as I get older, that's just going to be more and more important, so it's something I want to keep up with forever, and I know when I talk to other people about it, a lot of people say, like, well, I'm just not flexible, and right. and I'm like, I feel like that's probably why you should try yoga, you know? Yes. Or like, <laughs> Aren't I, there memes out there about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I guess what would you say to people who who are intimidated by yoga? Like, do you think it is something that everybody should do? Or yeah, what would you say to kind of tell people about that? 
Yeah, so first and foremost, I would say that flexibility is not a prerequisite. It's not a requirement for someone who wants to start yoga. Mm -hmm. However, it is a benefit, something that you will feel from a yoga practice even once a week. You'll notice an increase in flexibility Mm -hmm. and your body will feel better. Mm -hmm. Places that can accumulate tension or tightness that can close can then open Mm -hmm. and you create space in your body, which I reflect to also creating space in your mind and space in your heart. And it's an opportunity for people who may feel inflexible physically to also look at the mirror image of that. Perhaps there's rigidity in the way they view life. Mm -hmm. Just something that takes the metaphor and and breaks it down a little bit deeper. Sometimes what we put out there is also a mirror of of who we are. And so yoga is definitely something that I would recommend anyone can try. Is it good for everyone? Not necessarily, depending on if you've had any injuries or specific health challenges, but Mm -hmm. there are so many different styles of yoga. And so I say to people who have tried yoga once or twice and, and then come back and say they didn't like it, Well, perhaps they tried a really gentle meditative class, but they're a go, go, go person, Mm -hmm. in which case that style practice isn't going to resonate with them or necessarily make them feel great. Mm -hmm. And in the future, a more gentle restorative practice may be beneficial for that person, but it's not going to be what brings them into yoga and keeps them coming back. Mm -hmm. So trying different styles to see what works best for you. Or maybe you tried a power vinyasa class, but you're someone who would rather move a little bit slower and focus more on breathing and meditation, in which case power vinyasa isn't going to be the style that can work best for you. So checking out different types of yoga is really important. And it's not a one-size-fits-all practice. Mm -hmm. It's an an evolution of getting to know yourself and getting to know what style works best for you. And that's something that why I I don't know if you – recommend this but something that I always recommend to like my friends that are asking about it is going to a class because I mean obviously not right now during the pandemic but once things are back open like going physically to a class where you're with a teacher in person and I know to some people that sounds even more intimidating but there are there are so many videos online and online classes which are great but I feel like for just starting out it's really helpful to have like actual hands-on instruction And then you can talk to your Mm -hmm. teacher about like, okay, this is something I didn't love or like, is there, are there any classes like this? Or, you know, here's a physical condition that I have. Um, So, so what should I am I doing this right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, to just say, I'm going to start yoga and start purely online and never have like hands on help. I feel like that would be really hard. It's not impossible, but I think there is value in physically going to a class at least a few times to kind of get a better understanding of it. I agree with you. And I also recommend to people if they're just starting out or have never done yoga before 
to do what you're saying, go to a studio specifically that teaches yoga, not necessarily just a gym or a place that offers a lot of different things, but where you can find a beginner class with a teacher who is well-educated on how to instruct people who've never done yoga before. Mm -hmm. But my biggest recommendation, if you have the resources to to do between one and three private sessions with someone. Mm. Perhaps it's this instructor who taught your beginner class. That way you can really focus on body awareness because there's a thing called muscle memory. And if you start with a shaky foundation, meaning you're not sure about your alignment, what should be engaged and where your toe should point or which direction your knee is going, Mm -hmm. then it's possible to set up a foundation that creates a structure for your ongoing practice that isn't necessarily sound. But if you work with someone one-on-one to answer specific questions and work with your specific body Mm -hmm. and whatever possible limitations that you may have, then you can create a really sound foundation and a strong practice that you can do into your, hopefully well into your 80s and 90s and and for the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the hope. Yeah, totally. That's my hope too. (laughs) Um, So what about, so you mentioned like how some people, you know, it's not necessarily for everybody because some people might have like a really specific injury. Like I know people with a back injury might have a harder time with yoga or a lot of positions might not be good for them. But like you also said, it could also be great for them. Like it could also really help, you know, depending on the type of yoga they're doing. So what what are some benefits that people might not be aware of with yoga? There are so many benefits to yoga that go beyond the physical. Mm -hmm. But of course, physical benefits are huge. So starting with the physical, you will experience less pain in your body, less tension or tightness due to stress. Mm -hmm. You'll develop better posture and posture awareness and very specifically a stronger core. And with stronger core muscles, you can reduce your back pain, you're going to have a better ability to carry things and lift, whether it's your groceries or your child. And just having that body awareness in order to bend over properly from using your knees rather than your back. And these are things that are inherent to the yoga practice that you'll learn along the way. But there in yoga philosophy are five bodies rather than just the one body that in the West we think of our physical body. In yoga, the physical is the first body. And then there's the energy body. And everything is made up of energy. Even the thoughts in our mind have an energetic frequency. Or if you think about your pulse, your heartbeat is measured energetically. Mm. And so energy is a part of everything. And in yoga, you practice being able to harness your energy. Mm -hmm. And from a very simple standpoint, you can think about if you're tuning in, is my energy feeling very excited and I'm ready to rock and roll today? Or am I feeling more calm or more peaceful? Or am I downright tired and needing to do something to increase my energy? Mm So energy being the second body and the third body, the emotional body, 
this is the sea of emotions that we may or may not be in touch with. But yoga practice helps to uncover the layers of emotions or things that block us from being able to feel our emotions. That's why in some postures, you may feel your feelings. Mm-hmm. Like you may start to feel a little bit frustrated that you're holding half pigeon this long and you're stretching your hips and that frustration may have nothing to do with the posture or the practice in fact we often hold emotions in our hips and so your your subconscious is processing these emotions and you're identifying it as frustration in that moment but it could have been frustration from when you were six years old and your parents were telling you not to do something, but they weren't understanding that you really, really wanted to do this thing at, at that time. Mm-hmm. So emotional intelligence is a byproduct of the yoga practice over time. And the fourth body is the mental body. And being able to really uncover the layers of thought patterns that many of which may be repetitive and therefore may not serve us. We can have this tape player going on in our minds and sometimes it can be self-deprecating or negative. And when you're alone with yourself on your yoga mat, you're able to have the freedom to find your truth and let go of the self-doubt and and let go of these self-limiting thoughts or beliefs. First you identify and then you feel what that feeling is and then you're able to let that go either on your own or through whatever type of support that you have in your life and then the fifth body is the spiritual body and uh, I could talk Mm -hmm. about this a lot because some people feel like yoga is a spiritual or a religious Mm -hmm. practice and it definitely is spiritual it is not a religion Mm -hmm. however so for yoga in my opinion, and and I'm someone who was born Jewish, I have Jewish parents, but I've been baptized as a Christian person, and mm-hmm. I believe in Jesus. Yeah. And so yoga and religion are like oil and water, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> uh-huh. But yoga is never going to tell someone that if you don't believe what I believe, mm-hmm. you're wrong. Yeah. Religion will tell you if you don't believe what I believe, you're wrong. Yoga will never say that. It makes room for all beliefs. And the hope is that we have compassion for one another. That if as long as your belief isn't going to harm other living things, then believe whatever you want and be a good person and and do the right thing. Right. No, that makes sense. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question is, I know that some people are intimidated by yoga less because of the physical aspects of it and more because of the spiritual aspects and whether it's they think because they're a Christian they can't do it or because they're not spiritual in any way like they're weirded out by that and so that's what I wanted to ask you next is I feel like I've had a couple different yoga instructors and all everybody kind of handles it differently, maybe depending on their own beliefs. But is yoga always a spiritual practice? Like if you go take a class at a yoga studio, are you going to get some element of spirituality? That's a really great question. And it's a little bit hard to answer because some instructors 
add more of the spiritual elements than others. Mm -hmm. For myself as a teacher, I liken it to layers of a pie. So you have a pie crust and then you have some kind of filling and then you have something Perhaps it's sprinkled on top like a streusel layer. I love uh-huh. streusel. <laughs> and so I liken my spiritual aspects of what I can contribute or communicate during a yoga practice to be the streusel on top. And if you're not into it and it doesn't resonate with you, it's easy to just brush off to the side. And if it's something that really resonates with you, it's something that you can add more to or continue to develop on your own or whatever spiritual practices that you have. And so I, I would hope that there is some underlying layer of spirituality in yoga classes because there are eight limbs of yoga and yoga asana, the physical postures, what you do on a yoga mat is only one of those eight limbs. Mm -hmm. And the seven other limbs have nothing to do with physical postures. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to go very briefly through the eight limbs, the first two have to do with how you treat others and how you treat yourself. So those are called the yamas and the niyamas, and there are five of each. So talking about being truthful and not stealing, whether it's someone's personal property or someone's time or energy, Mm -hmm. and a level of discipline that it takes to focus your energy, whether it's on your mat or in your meditation practice or in your breath work or at your job or in your relationships, this idea of discipline. So the first two limbs of yoga are this external and internal expression of how we treat others and how we treat ourselves. The third limb being pranayama, which is a form of breath control and harnessing your energy, breath being life force energy or prana that you can control and move through your body. We're very fortunate that we do not have to be in control of our breath. We will breathe automatically, but you can control and harness this energy and it can be very, very powerful. And then you come to the asana practice, which is the physical postures. When you think of warrior two or tree pose, those are asanas and that's the fourth limb of yoga. The fifth limb has to do with your senses and being able to focus your energy not so much on external stimulation, but to almost withdraw your senses so that you can focus more inwards. And the sixth being a type of focus that needs concentration. The seventh is meditation, which is focus that does not require concentration. And then the eighth limb of yoga is this sense of bliss or connection for yourself and the divine, whatever that means to you. So if you call it God or the universe or the divine or however that resonates for you. Yoga would say it doesn't matter what you call it. It matters more that you feel it, that you feel Mm -hmm. a connection with it, and that you foster that connection like a relationship. 
So to bring that all back to your question about spirituality, not all yoga classes, yoga asana classes are going to even talk about all eight limbs. Most of them don't. My hope is that there will be less necessarily spirituality and more inspiration, positive energy, something that will uplift you and create a ripple effect so that you may then be inspired to go out into the world and share positive energy and uplift the lives of those you encounter. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's a great explanation. I liked your analogy too with the pie. That's been my experience where, like you said, like most yoga studios aren't going to be like, um, also we're all Buddhist here. And so if you're right. not Buddhist, like you won't fit in. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to do that. Like they want everybody from all walks of life to come. And I know I've felt, I've always felt like there's nothing that goes against my belief system when I'm in a yoga class. Like they, like they're obviously trying to cater to everybody. And so they're not going to say things that, you know, offend people or, whatever. And, and, you know, even if they did say something and I was like, "Eh, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. Like who cares? Like, like you said, I can brush it off. Like I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to repeat it if I don't want to. Um, I say in yoga teacher training, take what works for you and leave the rest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's a perfect description. And, and I've also never felt like it's so spiritual that like I'm uncomfortable, you know, no matter what, my belief system is or and I'm saying that I think on behalf of everybody you know whether they believe in Jesus or whatever their belief system is I think the spirituality component is not so like integrated into the practice to where you would feel uncomfortable if you you know don't believe if you don't have a belief system or or whatever it is so I I just um I wanted to emphasize that because I don't think it should be something that holds anybody back from trying it And, you know, let's say you do go and, and you didn't like it, like you were like, that was really spiritual, or that went against my belief system. And I didn't like that, then try a different place, Mm -hmm. like try a different studio or teacher. You know, the saying, try everything once. Yeah, I have followed this my whole life, because I grew up being afraid of a lot of things. I Uh believe try everything twice. Because you may not like it the first time, and the second time you could really surprise yourself. I felt that way about skydiving. I felt that way about traveling alone. I thought, you know what, the first time I may make it up in my head already that I don't like it. So try something and then try it again and then decide. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. Very cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to explain all of that because I think that probably helps some people to see like, okay, it's not like you don't have to have a certain belief system to practice yoga. And I also want to add that you don't have to have a type of body. You don't have to look like people on Instagram. You don't have to be able to bend like a pretzel. Mm -hmm. In fact, Rather than trying to fit and conform into what social media's standards are today, I think it's so important to be able to embody who you are and the gifts you have and to just let go of the self-doubt that our society puts on us and says is normal and really embrace the truth of who you are, which Mm -hmm. is 
you are needed in this world. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. We're all very much needed at this time. Mm-hmm. And I've even seen that, like, in my yoga instructors at the studio I go to, every instructor has a totally different body type. And I find I that, that really, yeah, I find it really, like, comforting, I guess, that it's not like they're all just super skinny and really strong practicing yoga. Like, they're not all that body type. So, I like that. It makes me feel more like, okay, any literally anybody can try this. So It's so true. And people come up to me and ask about my physique being as little as I am and mm-hmm. and a, a former professional athlete. I I have the type of physique that people say they want, mm-hmm. but they don't know at what cost. And and my situation is very different from most people's and if I could gain 20 pounds and eat a piece of pizza and have a beer, I would be so excited to do yeah. that and not experience the type of pain that I have. So right. to really just be happy with what you have, even if there's challenges mm-hmm. to know that somewhere someone definitely has it worse than I do. Right. Yeah, that's good perspective. And And I think it's that kind of perspective that I get to hear a lot in my yoga classes too. Like I hope people are seeing that even though there might be these terms that kind of sound intimidating associated with yoga or that are like a different language almost. Right. It's not – that's just the name of a concept. And like once you hear what the concept is, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like I know my teachers will will say what you were saying where like stop comparing yourself to others. Like stop looking at the people – in the in the room and like look at your own body like and just them saying that is such a great reminder because you can start to feel like oh my gosh that one person is like holding the pose perfectly and I keep falling or whatever and it's like it's not about them it's about you and so they're I I know I feel like my instructors are great at just giving those gentle reminders and yeah it might have some like strange name that I've never heard of but then then they explain what it is I'm like oh yeah that's that's a great tip it's like learning a new language. It yeah. is a it is a new language. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you next is like there are so many terms and even if someone was like, "Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a yoga class." They might go and see like, "Oh, holy cow, there are so many different types of yoga." Like, I didn't realize. So, can you give us any tips for, you know, people who are just starting out of what to look for and help to break down some of the language barrier there? Okay, yes, definitely. So the language that is being spoken is Sanskrit. And Sanskrit is actually a language that is no longer used for spoken communication like we use English Mm -hmm. or people in France use French. Mm -hmm. So it's used more for texts, ancient texts, and also for their style of chanting. And so the Mm -hmm. Sanskrit language, that's where this is rooted from, and it is started in India thousands of years ago. And so when you see something that's not in English, that's what language it is. It's Sanskrit. So vinyasa style, vinyasa meaning linking your breath to your movement. That way Mm -hmm. every movement is connected to breath. So vinyasa mm-hmm. style can be gentle. It can also be very, very powerful and create a lot of heat in your body and help you get stronger. Mm-hmm. So if you are 
at a place that offers a vinyasa style class, expect to move with your breath. Meaning when the teacher says inhale mountain pose, you inhale standing and reach your arms up. And then when you Mm -hmm. exhale and fold forward, you're going to use the entire length of your exhale to fold and bend forward. So each movement is connected to breath unless your instructor says to stay here and breathe and then you're holding a pose and refining your alignment. Mm -hmm. You'll also find that style of practice in Ashtanga. Ashtanga means eight limbs Mm -hmm. and it is based off the eight limbs of yoga, but the physical asana practice mm-hmm. being the, the main focus of Ashtanga style yoga. And you'll also do vinyasa in Ashtanga. So they're not mutually exclusive. However, if you're doing a vinyasa class, it's not necessarily Ashtanga. If you're doing an Ashtanga class, you are also doing vinyasa. So hopefully that isn't too confusing. Yeah, yeah. Then there's Bikram style yoga, and you've probably heard of Bikram because it's not a Sanskrit word. It's actually a man's name, and he developed 26 postures that are held for a certain amount of time in a very heated room, and it's the same thing every time. The Bikram style practice is the same postures each time. Mm -hmm. There's also different styles. There's Iyengar, there's Kundalini. These are all different aspects of the yoga asana practice. Mm -hmm. And if you're brand new to yoga, I would say the most common style practice these days is either vinyasa or a kind of westernized fusion practice that may incorporate some more static postures with postures that flow with your breath. Mm -hmm. Most importantly is that you find an instructor that is knowledgeable for teaching beginners because it's very different teaching a beginner style practice than teaching to people with more experience. Mm -hmm. So you You don't necessarily want a brand new instructor teaching you if you're brand new to yoga. However, many studios that lead teacher trainings, they'll have their freshly graduated new teachers teaching beginner style classes, which I don't personally agree with. I think it takes an experienced teacher to teach beginners. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I would look for. Mm -hmm. Some of the terms also, I understand being nervous about beginning, and it's another reason why doing some private classes um, can be really helpful, especially in building body awareness and refining your alignment, and so that you can listen rather than always watching. By watching, it's a powerful tool to help you at first, but it also takes you out of your own meditative practice and puts you more into this kind of headspace. But as a practice develops, I think it's wise for a student to find an instructor that relies more on verbal instruction rather than doing the practice with their students. Because Mm -hmm. that way the instructor can offer adjustments and help you with your alignment. They can monitor the environment if there's music going or the lights. I like to dim the lights anytime we're laying down and looking up. I don't want bright lights in your eyes. 
um, being yeah. able to manage the heat if it's a heated class. So if you're on your mat the whole time, then you're not able to do all these other multitasking things to help create a really nice environment for your students. And okay, some of the terms you'll hear in a vinyasa class, you'll hear ujjayi mm-hmm. pranayama. Ujjayi is a style of breathing that's in and out of your nose while gently engaging the muscles in the back of your throat. And when you Mm -hmm. do this style of breath, you create qualities of sound and texture that heat your body from the inside out and also creates this sense of focus or even discipline for your practice. And pranayama Mm -hmm. is breath control or focusing your awareness on your breath. So you'll definitely hear ujjayi pranayama in a vinyasa style practice. And in my classes, I'll say that the breath is primary focus. The physical postures come secondary to the breath. So if you Mm -hmm. lose sight of your breath, you feel disconnected, or you've forgotten about your ujjayi practice, then take a break or ease out of the depth of your stretch so that you can reconnect to your breath. Other terms you might hear at the beginning and or end of practice, you'll probably hear the Sanskrit word namaste. Mm-hmm. That means the light within me honors and reflects the same light within you and in all things. And so it connects the student and the teacher that we are one and the same. I tell my students that they are my teachers. I don't want to be put up on a pedestal. I'm no different than everybody else. I'm human and I have challenges and I've been through some tough things, but we are all connected. Even though we're unique individuals on our own path, our own journeys in life, we are made up of 99% of the same stardust, if you will, the same chemical compounds. And so... Mm -hmm. I think that feeling connected and also confident in your own uniqueness, your own individuality, is a really beautiful aspect of namaste, acknowledging that within us. And let's see, other terms. You'll definitely hear Sanskrit names of postures, Virabhadrasana, meaning warrior. So Virabhadrasana 1, Virabhadrasana 2, warrior 1, warrior 2 things like that. Are there any mm-hmm. terms that you've heard that you're not sure um, what they mean? Um, what Did you say what yin was? Yeah, so yin, yin versus yang. If you think of yin and yang, yin is cooling, lunar energy, more of a calming practice. It's going to be slower okay. and more meditative versus yang, you wouldn't call it a yang practice. You'd call it a vinyasa or a power yoga practice. But mm-hmm. vinyasa and power yoga are yang energy, more solar, heat-producing, faster-paced, going to mm-hmm. increase your energy versus a yin practice, which is going to help to soothe your nervous system, down-regulate, mm-hmm. come out of fight or flight and into rest and digest, and really help to help your body fight off the ramifications of long-term exposure to stress. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's good to know because I know, and this is something a lot of people will be able to see, like, information when they are signing up for a class. Like, I know 
there are so many different types of classes at the studio that I practice at, and whenever I'm signing up online, it'll have the technical name, and then it has a description, so it'll say, like, oh, this is going to be more of a relaxing class, it's great for beginners, or, like, this is a very fast-moving class, beginners are welcome to attend, or, you know, this class is not beginner-friendly, so this is for people who've been practicing a while, and so most places will have that, and if they don't, then just ask, like, you know, it's not, you don't have to memorize all the different types, like, it's, it's pretty easy to to figure out once you're signing up. And I think that's very important to read about it. I get people mm-hmm. in my level two heated vinyasa class. So this is a pretty fast paced, more advanced style, less cues and more. I'm going to anticipate that you know, when I say Garudasana, you know how to get into eagle pose. Well, I'll have mm-hmm. people who have never done yoga before never in their life, show up for my heated level two vinyasa class. And I'm not going Mm -hmm. to turn them away, but I will recommend that the next class they take, not to be Mm -hmm. discouraged by this, we're going to keep moving and grooving, but to come back and take a more appropriate level, a beginner style practice so that they can Mm -hmm. create that strong foundation and and learn what these terms mean. Mm Yeah, absolutely. And with that too, that's a another good tip I think is to make sure you get there a little bit early so you have time to set up and everything. Mm. And also just to talk to your instructor cuz I know like I whenever I was pregnant, I would make sure I got there early so I could tell my instructor like just so you know, I'm pregnant. Um this is how far along I am. So you know, because I don't know. So if there's anything I shouldn't be doing, just tell me. And there are <laughs> and there, there are these yeah. pregnant people uh, depending how far along you are, that you should avoid doing. So very right. important to tell your instructor. Yeah, and that goes for any kind of, you know, medical condition of what you have so that your instructor can know like, oh, hey, you, you probably shouldn't do that move. Yeah, like, or whenever I do this kind of move, you just do this instead. So Absolutely. That's huge. Do tell your instructor also if you have had any recent injuries, even if you're recovered from the injury. That way the instructor can just keep their eye on you. One thing that I do, my style of teaching is I offer a lot of layers. And so I'll give Mm -hmm. a posture, let's say revolved crescent lunge. So you're in a lunge, your feet are apart, one foot is forward, one foot is back. The foot that's forward, that knee is bent, the back leg is straight. So Mm -hmm. now you're twisting and, and your body is in a twisted position. Well, If you have any balance challenges, I'm going to say option one, stay here with your back leg straight. Option two, lower your back knee down. Take balance out of the posture so that you can feel like you can go deeper into your twist or more stable here. And then I'll give an option three. Option three, whether your back leg is straight or your back knee is down, if you'd like, you can open your arms and then feel a different sensation. Now you're stretching also into your chest. So giving lots of options helps people to, even if they're an intermediate or advanced, they've been doing yoga a long, long time, each day our body feels differently. 
Some days I have tons of energy, I'm going to do all the things. And some days I spend half the class in child's pose because that's what my body needs. And making space for your students to do what their body needs that day, that practice, also invites people to be authentic and true to themselves and know yourself and listen to your body um, what your body craves and then and then with love and tenderness and compassion give yourself that yeah that's a great tip well i i hope that we have talked some people into trying yoga if they haven't yet <laughs> yeah i hope so too <laughs> So are you ready to try some yoga after listening to that? Or if you are a yogi already, aren't you just so ready to get back into the studio? I know that right now some studios are opening back up and practicing social distancing, which is awesome if that's around you, but there are a lot that are still strictly online. So right now I would encourage you to do what you can. If your only option is an online yoga class, then do it. But once you're able, like I said in the show, I really, really highly recommend trying an in-person class a few times so that you know what style of yoga you like, you have more body awareness, like Alia said. There are so many reasons to do in-person classes rather than just sticking with online, so try those first once you're able to. I really enjoyed getting to address some of the common myths about yoga with Alia because these are questions that friends ask me a lot when they find out that I practice yoga. My favorite one, of course, is do you have to be flexible to do yoga? Like we said, you should actually be doing yoga if you're not flexible at all. That's what it's for, right? Keep in mind that there are so many different types of yoga out there, and like Alia said, it's not a one-size-fits-all practice, so you really have to find what works for you. Try out a few different styles, try out a few different studios, and try out a few different teachers to make sure you find something that you really like. I promise if you do that, you will love it. And of course, if the cost is a barrier to you, there are lots of free videos that you can find online, thanks to YouTube and plenty of other platforms. So of course, check those out if you really can't afford to go to a class. But if you can't afford it, I think it is a good investment to try at least a few times. And keep in mind that there are plenty of small yoga studios around the whole country and probably the whole world that do need our help right now, right? Small businesses are in need of our support now more than ever. So if you can, that's a great thing to support. I really hope you enjoyed the show and that you are considering trying out yoga if you haven't before. Don't forget that Alia will be back next week for part two where we're going to talk more about ocean conservation, which I learned so much from her in that conversation and I really think you're going to enjoy it too. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review for the show. If you don't know how to do that, I actually have instructions on how to that I will link in the show notes. So check those out and please take the time to do that. Tell a friend about the show and check out Alia's show as well, What's Wellness. It's a great podcast. I've listened to multiple episodes, including the one that I was on that was fun to listen to. So go check that out. There's links to that and to everything else that I referenced in the show notes today, which you can view on whatever app or platform you're listening to or on my website, www.heartfelthippie.com. So go look at those things, and thank you so much for listening today. I hope you take the time to invest in your health and your wellness, to take a yoga class, and of course, keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.